0: Welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Dr. David Hanscom. He'll be talking about the dynamic healing movement. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Today, I'm doing my own podcast because it's for a specific reason. And we have started a movement called Dynamic Healing. And it's a dynamic healing movement. And every morning on Facebook, we do a pod, I do a Facebook live with the friend of mine, Dr. Les Ari, called Dynamic Healing Mo- Moments. And what we are learning is that the body is a unit, there is really no separation of the mind and the body. And what we're learning is that the idea of holistic medicine, mind body syndrome, Functional medicine, integrated medicine are irrelevant terms because they're oxymorons. In other words, they are what medicine is supposed to be. And We're all living organisms. We're dynamic. Every living creature has some commonalities of survival. Human beings have the additional factor of consciousness. So what I want to explain today is this concept of dynamic healing. And it's a really critical phase for us to jump into because right now we're not doing well. The burden of chronic disease is going through the ceiling, both mental and physical. And the answers are actually right here in front of us. So let me just start at the beginning. So every living creature, from one cell organisms up to human beings with consciousness, have the same need to survive. The way we survive is that we avoid threats and danger, and we gravitate towards safety to relax and regenerate. The creatures that didn't pay attention to the environmental cues just didn't survive. Plain and simple, period. So what happens if you're threatened, your body gives off a reaction, which involves hormones and inflammatory markers and increasing the burn rate called metabolism that increases your chances of survival. We call it fight or flight. So there's three states of existence. You have your sense of neutral, which there's energy in, energy out. You go about your day, you bring in energy, you expend it, you move on about your day. So it's called homeostasis or neutral. Then whenever you can relax, we call it rest and digest. You're building up reserves in order to deal with life. And then when you're threatened, why we call that the threat physiology or fight or flight, and you need it without the threat physiology or the threat response, you wouldn't survive. So that means adrenaline, cortisol, histamines, increased burn rate or metabolism, and inflammation marked by inflammatory cytokines. And so threat state is necessary. It works. It allows people to survive. And so it increases your chances of survival and is necessary for life. It's not going to go away. The key issue, when your body's in this threat physiology, it doesn't feel very good. Do you feel threatened? It's dangerous. You feel agitated. You feel anxious. And it turns out that anxiety is just the word that describes its chemical state. It's designed to be very unpleasant. It's a powerful survival reaction. You need it to survive. It's a gift. The unconscious survival reaction processes about 20 million bits of information per second. Your conscious brain processes 40. So since every living creature has the survival reaction it doesn't feel good humans have language we call it anxiety why would you ever take it personally it's just part of life it's always supposed to be unpleasant and it will be unpleasant so what happens when your stresses there's three parts to process in the environment so every every living creature again goes through this process where you have your input or your circumstances or your stresses then you have the state of your nervous system And then you have the physiological response. And again, the response could be safe, homeostasis, or neutral, or threat. So you need threat physiology to survive, but you're not intended to be under constant threat physiology. It's like driving your car down the freeway in second gear, it's going to burn out and break. So what we're doing in medicine, we tend to treat just symptoms. The symptoms are created when your body's stresses, I'm sorry, when your circumstances or stresses overwhelm your coping capacity. Your body goes into threat physiology, period. So what happens in medicine, we treat just as symptoms. You're actually not solving the problem of the interaction between your environment and who you are. So what you want to do is address every aspect, have tools to address every aspect when you need them. So, for instance, let's take your nervous system. So we have the input, nervous system and the output and I call you up with the output the threat or safety physiology, your nervous system is determined the state of your nervous system is either going to be calm or hyperreactive or hypervigilant. So if your nervous system is hypervigilant or hyperreactive, it takes less stress to, to, to set off this reaction of threat. The metaphor I like to use is that of a feral cat, cat raised in the wild compared to a domestic cat, which is spoiled, relaxed, nurtured. So it takes a significant definite threat for a domestic cat that's spoiled to react and go into threat response. And then it lays down and goes to sleep. With a feral cat, everything's a threat. They can't go to sleep, they can't relax, they're hyper alert all the time. And so when you're raised in an abusive environment, like I was, and many of you are, or were, um, you're on hyper alert all the time. So what happens, you're on high alert, it takes less stress, on a given day to set off this physiological reaction. Your sense of well-being depends on your state of the body's physiology. So if you're feeling relaxed and content, your stress chemicals are oxytocin, dopamine, anti-inflammatory cytokines, Your metabolism slow down, and you feel great. And neutral is what it is. But when you're in threat, you just don't feel good. So the goal is, is you have this threat physiology. You can directly lower it. But I won't go back to the nervous system for a second. So let's say I'm going to use myself as an example. I'm a feral cat. I was hypervigilant when I was a kid. Things were dangerous. And when the same situation arises in adulthood, I know they're intellectually not dangerous, but my body doesn't know that. So I react. So if people say something that resembles my mother's tone of voice or actions or whatever, guess what? I go into this. I go into fight or flight. So somebody raised in in a very nurturing environment does not have the same reaction. It takes much more stress to set off that reaction than somebody raised in a safe environment. So this feral cat is hyper alert. It's hard to get this cat to calm down. So part of the DLC journey is to actually use tools to literally rebuild your nervous system. It's called neuroplasticity. So you can't fix it, but you can rebuild it. And we do know from basic science research that you can restructure your brain to whatever you want it to be. So there's ways of restructuring your brain. Other things you can do to calm your nervous system is an anti-inflammatory diet. If you're, if you are inflamed, your brain is thrown off inflammatory cytokines, these low-inflammatory proteins that actually sensitize the brain. They increase the speed of nerve conduction. Exercise is very anti-inflammatory for lots of different reasons. Sleep is a huge deal. Without adequate sleep, the entire project falls apart. We know lack of sleep is inflammatory. So, you can rebuild your nervous system, you can get adequate sleep, you can improve your diet, and those are ways you start rebuilding your nervous system. So, that's the nervous system. The input is also a factor where, if your stresses are overwhelming, your coping capacity, you're going to threat physiology. So, We do know there's two things that affect the input. One is, what are you holding on to, and what are you choosing to load into it? So a lot of things that are stressful are stressful. You have to process them and deal with them. But the most stressful thing in life that we have to deal with with is our thoughts and emotions. So we know that unpleasant thoughts actually create the same chemical reaction as a physical threat. We know that repressed thoughts are actually more of a threat than expressed thoughts. So whether you think your thoughts or try to suppress your thoughts that are unpleasant, we call them URTs or unpleasant repetitive thoughts, what happens, your body's fired up either way. So since humans can't escape their consciousness, every one of us has a problem of being in threat physiology a lot of the time. So you can't avoid a lot of the stresses, but you can learn how to process them in a way that allows you to move forward. So things that affect the input, first of all, what are you choosing to hold on to? So let's talk about forgiveness. And forgiveness is not what you think. We now call it anger processing. So if you were wronged by somebody in the past, if you decide to hold on to that wrong, the person might, might as well be right there in front of you. Because once you think that thought, your brain reacts and bam, you have the physiology right there. So with forgiveness, we choose to say, look, just cut the string, just done. This person who I really dislike is not going to be in my life today. So there's lots of phases of forgiveness, reframing, looking at the illogical things you can't control. There's also cognitive distortions where a good share of our agitation comes from our thoughts of should, labeling, emphasizing the negative, minimizing the positive. So there's a lot of cognitive distortions that can fire up the nervous system. So cognitive behavioral therapy, forgiveness, mindfulness relaxation expressive writing all that changes the input but the other part of the input is what are you choosing to hold on to so if you decide to look at violent movies watch disturbing news talk about your pain discuss your pain complain gossip or give advice all those things fire up the nervous system so with dynamic healing in medicine right now we're treating mostly symptoms and it's like putting out an oil well fire with a garden hose. You're not going to solve the problem. The way you solve the problem is that you use tools to directly lower the stress chem- chemicals, like breathing, relaxation, meditation techniques, but that's just part of it. But in medicine right now, we're moving so fast. We don't know you as a person. We don't know your coping skills. We, didn't, we don't know exactly if you're sleeping or exercising or eating well. We just don't know that. And we certainly don't know your circumstances very well. So again, there's, you can't avoid most of your stresses in life, but there's ways of processing them and teaching and processing skills. Or lots of times people come in to see the doctor or see me when there's some major life stress just occurred. I bet you 70% of my patients that came into me with a flare up of pain, have had some major loss that occurred in their life within the last six months, horrible, horrible stories. I'm not, I'm not even going to come close to repeating those today because they are bad stories. People suffer. So if you have a child who committed suicide, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. I had one grandmother whose grandson accidentally backed over her one-year-old granddaughter in a big suburban. That's stress. I had another gentleman coming in with neck pain whose paranoid schizophrenic grandson killed his father, who was his son. That's stress. That's a diagnosis because what happens again, your body's on fire. You don't know how to process it. You're trapped by this chemical reaction, and it's a big problem. So, dynamic healing understands that we are a unit. For somehow, we've used the term mind body syndrome, implying I don't like that term anymore because it implies there's a separation. But when you're threatened, your whole body's going to react. Your nervous system is just the conduit that allows these sensations to come into your nervous system and come into your body. And then your body reacts in a defensive manner. So it's a unit response. So I do not like the word mind-body syndrome anymore. Um, I don't, this is a physiological process. There is psychology involved as far as input, but it is not primary psychological process. So in summary, there's three parts to surviving. You have your input or your stresses, the environment. It comes into your nervous system, which interprets the circumstances as either safe, neutral, or dangerous. And then your body reacts and you have a certain physiological profile, certain neurochemical state that allows you to survive. Once you understand the sequence, there are strategies to address all three. The essence of the solution is once you have the is safety versus threat. If you're undergoing sustained threat, you're going to get sick. If you learn how to create safety, and there's many ways of doing that that are not very hard to do. If you are able to create a sense of safety, either by using tools to process your stress or ways of avoiding the stress, et cetera, is you learn to regulate your body's chemistry and feel safe, everything changes. The final part of the equation that many of you already know that have worked with me is that people say, well, what are you talking about here? I mean, okay, there's stress, which I think is psychological. It is not, it's a true threat. Happens to be that thoughts are a big threat because they create the same reaction as a physical threat. But you're going, what are you talking about? The body's physiology, all these symptoms. I have a headache. My stomach hurts. My feet burn. So when you're in a sustained threat physiology, everything goes haywire. Remember, every cell in your body is bathed by these stress chemicals. There, there's a term out called medically unexplained symptoms, which is nonsense. Every symptom in your body is explained by your adverse threat physiology. It's actually medically explained symptoms. So what happens when your body is in this threat physiology, there's over 30 different physical symptoms that occur, such as migraine headaches, ringing in the, ringing in the ears, skin rashes, burning sensations, stomach pain, back pain, irritable bowel, spastic bladder. Because your body is in, in adverse physiology, each organ is going to respond in its own way. There's at least 30 symptoms that occur in this threat physiology. There's also chronic disease. So the research clearly shows that chronic stress, not even high-grade stress, just chronic low-grade stress is bad for your health. People die on the average seven years earlier. They have double the risk of anxiety, depression, suicide, hypertension, obesity, heart disease. And what happens, these are all inflammatory disorders. So your environment through your brain and nervous system Translates into threat physiology, which translates into physical symptoms, but also mental symptoms. So the final thing I want to say, which is not well known in medicine, even though it's well documented in literature, is that the mental diseases and physical diseases are the same thing. It turns out that anxiety, depression, bipolar, obsessive compulsive disorder are all inflammatory disorders. They're threat physiology. It turns out that Parkinson's Alzheimer's cardiovascular disease, peripheral vascular disease, hypertension, obesity are all threat physiology. They're all inflammatory disorders. So as one of my friends points out, it's all the same suit. So under chronic stress, chronic threat, your body develops an adverse physiology that causes physical tissue damage. There's this There is a physician out of UCLA, Dr. Stephen Cole, who's done some wonderful work on the genetic expression of stress. They found out that, for instance, social isolation is the number one factor that creates an inflammatory process. And what happens under this ongoing chronic low-grade stress, not the intermittent high-grade stress, but under chronic low-grade stress, that your body produces what's called warrior white blood cells, or warrior monocytes. And these are the cells that actually destroy the bacteria, destroy the viruses. But what happens with these warrior monocytes, you're like a puppy. They start destroying everything. They destroy the inside of blood vessels. They cannibalize energy out of your brain. So when you have this sustained elevation of these called warrior monocytes, or warrior white blood cells, you start destroying your own body's tissues. So again, you have the interaction between your environment or your input. You have the reactivity of your nervous system, and at the end of the day, you, you want your body to be in neutral or safe and minimize the time and threat physiology. It's a dynamic process. And we are starting a movement called dynamic healing, trying to get medicine back into the mode of healing the whole person. So we use the term holistic medicine. Well, again, it's a term I really dislike. And why is that? Why would I dislike the term holistic medicine? Because that is medicine. That's You can't take this human body and break it down into parts and not look at the interaction of the human body with the environment where it's a dynamic living organism. And so holistic medicine is medicine. That's the essence of it. What we're doing in medicine, we're treating just symptoms, which is not really solving the problem. So please join me. It is a paradigm shift, it just takes some repetition to get your head around the fact that these physical symptoms are a result of your stresses. We turn to with stress in terms of psychological concepts, but it's not. Your body is reacting as a unit. As your body keeps reacting, 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 you start getting sick. So we're excited about this whole movement. We're watching hundreds of patients not only get rid of their chronic pain, but their anxiety drops, their anger drops, their relationships thrive, People have their ring and the ears disappear, migraines disappear. I personally had 17 different symptoms, both mental and physical, that just really tormented me for 15 solid years. They are gone. They're gone. My ears don't ring. I don't have migraines. My stomach's okay. My feet don't burn. I don't have these skin rashes. I'm fine. I never would have thought that was possible, but we've now been able to consistently take people through a sequence of learning and practice it allows you to regulate your body's chemistry, your body's physiology. Once you're aware of all the factors that make this difference, it's not very hard. So please look at the DOC journey. It's called the Direct Own Care journey, which allows you to go through the sequence methodically. You cannot go from anxiety and anger to happiness in one step. It doesn't happen that way. So sequence is quite critical. It's a dynamic process. So I'm excited about the dynamic healing movement, and please join me. Thank you. I'd like to thank Dr. David Hanscom for providing a very cogent overview of the concepts underlying the dynamic healing movement. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.thedarkjourney.com.